1: What up, what up, what up? Welcome into another edition of Green with Envy. As always, this is your boy, Will. We are checking in. How you doing? How you living? Somebody cue the Bee Gees. ah, ah, ah. ah. Staying alive, staying alive. Thank you. We got we got some dancing in the chat here. We're feeling good today. It is a very exciting episode as the Celtics have kept their season alive. And to help us all figure it all out, we've got the three man weave in the building, at least for the minute here. So let's get them in the mix here. We got my best friend, co host, and coach of the podcast, one and only Greg Minakis. How, how you doing, man?
2: I'm feeling pretty good, man. You're going to get some extra dulcet tones because I'm recording this first part from my office and, uh, you know, on the company, on the company dime, on the company time. So gonna speak a little bit softer than normal. I hope it's coming through as my uh, my sales voice right now.
1: <laughs> nice rhyme in there as well, too. I like I like how you mix that in there. So uh, exciting seeing Greg in his work habitat here as we're recording. And then, of course. We have our podcasting cousin from across the pond, the chief leader of the Taylor gang, the one and only Adam Taylor. Adam, how you doing, my guy? I'm very well, man. I'm very well. It's not as loud as it usually is right there.
3: I'm very well. I'm very well. I have to give myself the intro music. I'm doing well, man. I'm feeling good. I'm not feeling as sad as what I was. After game two, when you last heard from me, or was that game three? Whenever it was you last heard from me, I'm far happier. I'm watching all these American people in Greg's background living their nine-to-five daily lives. It looks yeah. like a very nice place to work, to be
1: quite honest. I also um like how we've got ASMR, Greg, going on today. I know, Greg, I, I kind of want to start with you here, man. I mean, last night, so Greg and I, for those that are, that are, uh, maybe they tuned in, I'm not sure, maybe you're new to the podcast here, Greg and I did a watch-along for Bleacher Report last night as part of Game 3, exclusive in the Bleacher Report app, just like we've done some of the post-game streams, Greg and I hopped on and did the whole game, and we had a fun chat room, maybe we had some people that are, are popping in here, uh, but Greg, now that you've had a day, or a night, I should say, to kind of marinate on the celtics keeping this series alive what is your biggest takeaway from from last night
2: yeah it's a fun game man it's a fun game um i had a great time being on uh Bleach report and like seeing the engagement in the chat the engagement in the chat was hilarious I lot had a lot of heat fans in there Had some laker fans pop in um so it was it was really cool just to be able to experience that with you you know it's kind of last minute and we haven't done a playback in a while so Just watching the game with you, I think, was a lot of fun. And then seeing Tatum go to another level in the second half, super fun. Um, Let's see, other things that stood out to me, I think, you know, the Celtics being able to. go against that zone, that zone in the second half that has been so effective for the Heat just didn't really work out for them because what do you know, Will? They put Jason Tatum in different spots at inches, have him going at the top of the key, um, had him at the foul line a little bit, had him in the post a little bit. And I think the Celtics seem to have cracked that code, the initial code anyway. We'll see what adjustments Bolster makes in game five. But for game four, for one night, it was the Celtics night. And don't let us get one because now that we have one, you know who knows what could happen in game five. It's at home. Um, then if we win game five at home, the pressure switches all to the heat to close it out in six. So um, as long as we as long as long we still have a heartbeat, man, we can postpone the funeral and uh, the resurrection has begun.
1: Yeah, why not us? Why not us? 04 Red Sox vibes coming through. Derek Jeter, Alex Rodriguez in the building last night. Apparently very key to 3-0 comebacks is having Derek Jeter and Alex Rodriguez involved. Adam, as you were watching the game, what was your biggest takeaway of, of what changed from games one through three, really to game four for the Celtics to, to finally get a win in the series. Close that Tater. That that's literally
3: his new nickname, right? End of back against the wall, Boston Celtics are just a different team. Completely. Part of me feels like they need this type of pressure to really reach that level that they want to get to, right? Like, I'm not sure if any of you watch Dragon Ball Z or have watched Dragon Ball Z in the past. If it's just me, then tough. I'm still going with the analogy.
2: We're, we're Pokemon but, guys.
3: So am I, but I'm just, you know, pop culture grew up in the versatile, you're versatile, anyway. you're versatile yeah, exactly. agile, mobile. Yeah. Dragon Ball Z. But basically, you know, where you're up against it and like Goku consistently seeks out the bigger challenges to, to put himself under pressure, to force himself to evolve into a stronger entity throughout the show. And that feels like what the Celtics really are best at doing is, Hey, now we're under pressure. We're going to evolve. We're going to, show you everything that we're capable of we saw that um in game four one of the things i was really impressed with was boston's nail help just being able to know when to they they consistently had someone situated around the elbow who would dig in on the towards the nail on drives they took away the middle of the floor a lot kind of forced miami into doing more stuff on side pick and rolls which you know they're still solid but asking jimmy butler to curl over someone before start starting to get downhill you kind of like take away a little bit of the forcefulness of his drives by doing that. And I think the Celtics kind of put Butler into a position where he could still be effective, but he couldn't be dominant. And that to me was very key. You can have an effective Jimmy Butler game as long as you
1: stop him from being dominant. So that nail help was a huge adjustment for me. Yeah, I think you touched on a lot of a lot of important points there. And I think Jason Tatum is is definitely an area that we need to to go a little bit deeper on. So to do that. Let's take this time and do what we always do. Let's keep a morning box score. The Boston Celtics stay alive last night, 116-99 to over the Miami Heat series, heading back to Boston Thursday night. Miami leads the series now three games to one as Boston attempts to be the first team ever to come back from 3-0. Don't let us get one. Don't let us get one. Let's start with the Miami Heat here. Uh, Adam, as you mentioned, Jimmy Butler somewhat contained last night, still put up an impressive stat line. 29 points, nine rebounds, five assists, one steal, one block but only 9 of 21 from the field. His superstar sidekick, Bam Adebayo, 4 of 7 from the field, only 10 points and 5 rebounds and 4 turnovers to go along with. It speaks to that nail help that you talked about. Adam, so we'll dig into that a little bit more here. Uh, the role players from Miami, which have been so influential in the series, Gabe Vincent put up another 17 points and 4 assists night, and Caleb Martin still had his hot shooting going. 6 of 9, 2 of 5 from 3. He had 16 points, but just not enough in Game 4. As we mentioned, Jason Tatum stepping up big like superstars do in a in a situation where it's win or go home. Tatum steps up with 33 points, 11 rebounds, 7 assists, 14 of 22 on the night. His partner in crime, Jalen Brown, had 17 points, 4 rebounds, 4 assists, and only 1 turnover, 7 of 16 from the field. 12 points from Al Horford, who rebound that 3-point stroke, 3 of 6 from 3. Derek White, 3 of 7 from 3 for 16 points, 11 points from Mark. Is smart and then Grant Williams with another big game off the bench, four of seven from the field, 14 points for Grant Williams. And as has been mentioned many times, when the Celtics shoot 40%, they are really, really hard to beat from behind the three point line. They go 18 of 45 and they nail that 40% mark right on the dot. Celtics taking the series back home here, 3 1, a lot of work to do, but Greg. Let's start with, let's talk a little bit more about Jason Tatum because last night as we were going through and talking about what needs to happen for the Celtics to keep this series going, you said something early on in the first half. At some point, someone's got to put on a cape. Someone needs to step up and, you know, we, we got the role players in the first half that were really kind of rising the, the level of the Celtics, you know, to, to kind of even out the score with Miami. And then the second half, here's Jason Tatum just in the second half, 11 of 15 from the field three of five from the three point line goes off for 25 points, three rebounds and five assists all in the second half. Just a big, big time performance from Jason Tatum. Uh, Greg, he put the cape on.
2: He really did. Yeah. Yeah, He put the cape on and he also didn't turn the ball over much in the second half. I think most of his turnovers happened in the first half, right? Four
1: turnovers in the first half, one turnover in the second half.
2: Yeah. And I, I mean, he played about as perfect of a half as you can play. And, it seemed to like really inspire confidence in the rest of the guys because before tatum hit those back-to-back threes it seemed like things were teetering right and we just needed somebody If it was jalen if it was tatum if it was Derek white like somebody to like really show them that they were still gonna have that fight left and it was white in the first half white horford both had i think two or three threes in the first half and then you know at that point it's like who's it going to be? And Jason Tatum is the guy that they all look to, to carry them in those toughest moments, right? He is their superhero. Um, You know, even though, even though Jalen Brown can have those moments, it just hasn't happened in these playoffs for Jalen. And one thing that I really loved about JB in this game, and he talked about it a little bit in the post game, as he said, the heat are kind of forcing him to be a playmaker. And, you know, he's been really struggling with his shot and the fact that he, kind of recognize he didn't have it last night and he didn't just shoot him try to keep shooting to dig himself out of the hole he got his teammates involved as well um so i thought both of the jays did what they needed to do last night for jason tatum it was to become um the superhero to put the cape on as you said and for jalen brown it was just to play smart basketball make the make the right read make the right pass and get your teammates involved so i was happy to see um the apex game out of Tatum in the second half and also to see a more uh, nuanced game out of Jalen Brown.
3: How encouraging is that, though, to see Jalen Brown not only recognize that that's what they're forcing him to do and that his shot's not happening, but be able to execute playing a high IQ game rather than being forceful with your scoring selection, just being able to be like, right, let me defer, let me take a leaf out of Jimmy Butler's book and kind of treat the rest of the players around me as superstars and try and feed them 18 months ago, we were all talking about how Jalen Brown's brain moves faster than his body and how sometimes he's a little bit slow to react to what defenses are forcing him to do. So that evolution, for me, is like a really core evolution in Jalen Brown in terms of... You're recognizing what they're trying to do. You're reacting correctly, and you're not forcing anything. You're not forcing your shot selection. You're not over-dribbling, trying to force um, a pass or a playmaking opportunity. You're just giving what the defense takes you. So to me, that was an encouraging, not only quote, but just encouraging performance from a guy that has struggled for the
2: last few games.
1: Yeah, and I think very similar to Greg's point of you know Tatum knocking down shots kind of gave the rest of the team confidence. I think Jalen... Becoming more of a facilitator mindset and making that extra pass was also contagious in the sense that the Celtics felt like in general that the team was making the extra pass. We noted a couple times, you know, it wasn't a great Brogdon game, but we saw even Brogdon in, in some of the moments that he got, you know, start to make that that secondary pass. And that was, you know, when the Celtics were at the peak of their powers throughout the, the regular season when they were hitting on all cylinders, it was because the ball was moving. It's because there was off-ball movement, there was an extra pass being made. And you saw that time and time again again throughout this and so there really was last night a a much stronger connectivity on both offense and defense between you know the for the celtics that we just haven't seen in this series we've seen it in the regular season and we've seen it for moments here and there but last night specifically in the second half um was a really strong hopefully a very strong indication that this team is kind of finding its way again you know i i think as we're talking about you know jason tatum's performance that was one that had to happen right we you need the stars to play like stars it's the, it's the eastern conference finals there's there's no way around it that's what has to happen but I want to kind of dig into a little bit of the role players here for a second. So let's take a quick break and then we come back. Let's let's talk about some of the role players that finally stepped up for Boston.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data,
1: All right. Well, we lost Greg here, so it's down to just me and Adam here for 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 the rest of the show. Appreciate Greg hopping in here and stealing some company money. We're really trying to stick it to the man and capitalism. So <laughs> I, uh, I I appreciate Greg was able to do that. Hopefully, his manager does not listen to the show. Um, but what I want to talk about next, Adam, is let's get to some of the role players, right? Because I think you know when you, Greg, and I did the three man weave for kind of our uh, preview of the series. One area that jumped out to us is okay. They do have Jimmy and Bam. Jimmy's been arguably the best player, you know, in the postseason. Bam is going to be elite defensively in every single game, and it becomes, you know, his rising level is is what, what are you going to get on offense from him specifically in the scoring department, right? Because he's going to set good, he's going to set screens, good, maybe illegal, but he will set this. He will set screens. You know, he's going to be he's going to be trouble with the dribble handoff, but he's going to be a problem. That, that that was something that we could acknowledge. But when we really looked at three through six, three through seven. It felt dominant in favor of the Celtics. And that has not been the case in games one through three at all. And even last night, Gabe Vincent and Caleb Martin did their part, right? When you look at Miami's um kind of role players but for boston here's the contributions that you got last that you weren't getting in this series you know al horford goes 12 12.7 rebounds four assists knocked down three threes i can't remember the last game you know i think he had one game in the philly series where he knocked down more than more than one three in a game but it's been a while for big al has been struggling with that shot Derek white five of ten from the field three of seven had two rebounds two assists two steals two blocks 16 points that hasn't been happening in the series. He's been good. He hasn't been, he hasn't been, you know, regular season all defensive NBA Derek White. We got that last night. And then you got Grant Williams. You know, Grant Williams, 14 points last night, six rebounds, two assists, matched up one on one with Jimmy Butler putting it back in his grill. Like Grant was out there last night. And it's also astonishing now looking back that Grant didn't play game one, but that's a different story. But the point being, the role players of the Celtics last night, much like Jason Tatum stepping up. This was finally a game where you can look at it and say that matchup was won by the Celtics. We're going box by box. that The superstar, the star matchup won by the Celtics. The role-player matchup for the first time in this series, check mark to the Celtics, and the Celtics get a win.
3: Yeah, and this is the, the issue that everybody had, right? This is what led to so much criticism of the team, of the coaching, the fact that the role-players weren't stepping up. It's okay to have one role-player struggling. It's going to happen, maybe even to... But for the first three games, it was basically a no-show off the bench. I think Grant Williams has come into this series and to me, he seems like the guy that wants it the most. Out of everyone on that Celtics um, rotation... I don't know whether it's because he's not sure if he's going to be there next year. I don't know whether it's because he knows what type of value he brings as like that gray that gray that Draymond (laughs) green kind of mayhem creator. Marcus smarts Mm -hmm. kind of lost a little bit of an edge there. It feels like Grant Williams is kind of stepping into that role. He's not only caught creating, creating impact in the box score, but he's doing so much outside of the box score in terms of galvanizing the guys. Al Horford, He's had good games. Let's not let's not get it wrong. The shot isn't falling, but he's still doing everything else quite well. He's still had some really good defensive games. But if you want the Celtics' offense to be at its best, Al Horford needs to hit at least 35% of his threes yeah. because that's when the defense has to stretch out. That's when there's driving lanes available. And then Derek White was arguably the team's third best player for the majority of the second half of the season. So to not have him playing at that level has been a huge blow. Now, Malcolm Brogdon's struggling. I get it. Not everybody's going to have great games all the time, but winning the role player battle away from home, where role players usually don't play as well as they do in front of a hometown crowd, mm-hmm. that's encouraging, man. As you go back to Boston now, and there's a little, just just a smither, a little smudge of momentum going in off that bench, and you're playing in front of a hometown crowd, and it's a win or go home game. And you've got Jason Tatum that thrives in win or go home games. Apparently, he's going to earn his nickname, close out Tatum. Um,
1: <laughs> if, if they come back from the series, he, he
3: will certainly have to earn that nickname. If they come back from this series and go to the NBA finals, you give him every. You, you take that MVP trophy away from Embiid, you give it to Tatum, you give Tatum $45 million a minute for the rest of his life. <laughs> uh, seriously, Elliot, the role battle was won. I think that what's telling is it was one without needing to kind of force the issue everyone just played everyone played a very specific role and played it very well
1: yeah i think that's a great way to put it you know is that everybody role players did what they're supposed to do right they played their role they played their role and and the team you know last night was especially in the second half right was when you really felt like okay this is the celtics that that i remember now as you said can they bottle up this you know little bit of momentum to keep it going when they go back home. And I feel like we'd be disingenuous if we weren't to mention that Celtics aren't exactly a juggernaut at home this postseason. They lost nine games total in the regular season at home. They've lost five in the postseason. They're four and five. They need to win this game. It's pretty insane to think about a two seed going into game five of the Eastern Conference Finals, and they need to win their next home game to get back to 500 as a home team. Like, that's a pretty astonishing fact. So, I mean, that can't be overlooked, but you'd rather, I mean, regardless of the record, you'd still like to be at home with that momentum. And and that's what, you know, if there ever was a path for a team to come back from 3-0, having the top-end star talent, having the depth that the Celtics do, and -hmm. being able to have Game 5, and if you somehow get from that Game 5 to that Game 6, knowing that now there is pressure. Because if you get to Game 6, right? Now there's this added weight of pressure that Miami doesn't have right now, right? I mean, there's pressure because you're playing to go to the NBA Finals. So there is a certain level of pressure. But when you get to game six at home, you know, oh man, if we don't win this and we're the fourth team in NBA history to ever let this get to a game seven and now we got to go back on the road, that's a different level of pressure from where you're at when you're up 3-0 at home or 3-1 on the road or even 3-2 at home. You know what I mean? It starts to... Yeah. And the longer this series goes, there's more pressure that, that shifts on to Miami because Miami came in here with no pressure in the series. Right. And the longer this goes on, the more that, because the Celtics are going to have pressure no matter what they were the favorites. They fell flat on their face for three games. You know, the Celtics are, are, are either make history or we're going to still go back to have a lot of those tough conversations that we were starting to have at the end of the last game that are on pause for right now, but they're still looming out there. So there's still, you know, obviously a lot of work to be done. So, let's let's talk a little bit about some of the adjustments that were made and i know you know i was looking through our celtics blog chat i know you got a couple articles coming out here that are going to talk about a little bit and i'll let you take wherever you want to go here whether it's talking about you know that help with bam at the nail or i know that you are going to have if it's not out already i know it's one that you're you're working on here talking about the the celtics digging into their playbook a little bit more so take take one of those two adam and let's 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 dig in a little bit
3: yeah, so I've already hit the nail help, just having an extra help defender around that nail area, middle of the free throw line, or somebody on the elbows that digs in towards the free throw line, just to pressure the ball, take away those straight line drives. I think that was a huge adjustment. I think the Celtics did it very well. They were very disciplined in when they or when they didn't dig, when they doubled, when they rotated back out. I'm not going to, probably not going to write on that, but I just think that that's something if you go back and watch, or if you're looking out for it in game five. Definitely look for that extra man that's digging in around the free-throw line. Offensively, it just felt like they went back to Joe Mazzulla. ball. So if anyone follows me on Twitter, you would have noticed before the game yesterday, I tweeted out saying, um, you know, I went back, I watched quite a bit of the, uh, like when I pull clips, I tend to keep them in a the hard drive just so I can kind of revert back. And uh, I went back and I watched quite a few clips from earlier in the season. My stance on Joe Mazzulla from you need to fire him really softened to, do you know what? Maybe this is just, he doesn't have the, the help on the bench and he doesn't like the team. You know, are having their own issues. Guys are struggling. I've really softened on my stance with Joe Mazzula over the last 24 hours. I tweeted it out. I accepted that. Maybe I was a little bit too harsh too quickly. But then you go into this game, right? And the Celtics start running everything that they've ran through the season. But like The first play of the game, Jason Tatum gets the ball, attacks off the rip-through, touches the paint, kicks it out, three points up from Al Horford, three drops. That's the first possession Quick decision, not, um, sorry, 0.7 basketball, hitting the paint, kicking the rock out. They ran ram actions. They ran elbow zoom actions. There was a lot of actions where it was like, hey, my favorite one, which I'm currently breaking down at the minute or writing about, is like Jalen Brown's got the ball in the, uh, on the strong side corner. Robert Williams comes up, sets a screen for Jason Tatum, Jason Tatum gets the ball. As Jason Tatum gets the ball, Robert Williams, no sorry, Robert Williams comes up, sets a flare screen for Jason Tatum, Tatum gets the ball, Rob slips, gets positioned in the paint, Tatum kicks the ball back out to Jalen Brown. Now that low help man that's dealing with Robert Williams has to rotate over to pick up Jalen Brown, easy lob pass for Rob. And it's just that type of movement, right? Like, hey, we're going to kick it from one star to another, we're going to have a lob threat slip a screen. Then he's going to get picked up by whoever's tagging the role man, who's the low help guy. Now we're going to engage him by kicking the rock back out. And you're just playing cat and mouse with the defense all the time. We saw twirl mm-hmm. actions. There was just everything the Celtics have been putting together over the last like eight months. They went into that playbook, and it looked like Miami's playbook at times. There was one possession in the, f- the first quarter where you had a, a pin down from Marcus Smart for Jalen Brown and then a wedge screen on the weak side from Derek White for Jason Tatum. The defense can't help off you now. They can't overload onto the strong mm-hmm. side because Jason Tatum's in the weak side post. One skip passing, you're giving Tatum the ball in an area where he's absolutely going to destroy you. He's going to dribble on you. He's going to back you down. He's going to hit that Kobe, Dirk, fade away, or it's just going to shoot over the top of you. He's going to do something that's going to make you look stupid. So you can't help off Tatum now. But now Jalen Brown's got driving lanes and he can attack. And seeing miami crush Boston with this in game two. Yeah, Miami were running things on both sides of the floor all the time. Celtics defense didn't know whether they needed to help off, whether they needed to stay home, and that th- this is how the Celtics have been playing all year. So to see them go back to that was super encouraging heading into Game Five.
1: And I think something you know, you you touched on on Joe Missoula right? And some of these adjustments he deserves he deserves credit for. And we, we've we've criticized him, and I think we've done so fairly. And I think that. You know, like, one game doesn't erase the the position that we're in now, which is not all entirely his fault. But obviously, he played a role. He has a big hand in it. He, he has a big hand in it. And I think it's been, you know, it, it's the points have been made. I, I think when you look at the full context of how we arrived with Joe Missoula, the head coach, there's a lot of stuff that he didn't necessarily get the best or the most help on, whether that's from bad Brad Stevens, Damon Sotomayor, not his, not Damon Sotomayor's fault for leaving for a head coaching gig, but you know, just him leaving. That is a blow, you know, having, having that guy that, that was a terrific NBA player has been around for a couple years, you know, was act, you know, was right there as his number two, like all that stuff we've, we've seen it add up, but I do think last night, you know, Missoula, at least for a game, answered a lot of critics right like i think he he called i mean he called some timeouts i mean it's just this is the low-hanging fruit that feels sometimes stupid to continue to go back to because it is not the end-all be-all but he, he he made some some really nice timeout calls that you just don't see him usually make that's my only point that i'm making here not that it that that's the reason the celtics won by 17 it's you know but but you saw him You know, call that timeout before you just lose it. Like if you're going to lose it, find a way to utilize it and take advantage of 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 what's there. Missoula did that. There was a run in the fourth where Miami was making, and you know, Missoula said, "All right, let's let's calm this down. Let's stop this momentum. Let's reset." You know, you look at Grant. Like we said, I touched on this briefly it's ludicrous shout out to ludicrous who was in the building for i think it was game one or game two and one of my favorite people on the planet In terms yeah ludicrous yeah you know what's you know what's a fun re listen sometimes if you're just in the, if you're just in the mood to feel good go back to some old school ludicrous man he's he's, he's just got some fun, he's got some fun fun jams big he's one of like notes. if i could meet someone
3: and just chill with them for a day ludicrous is really high up on that list
1: yeah i saw what i think he must have been performing uh somewhere just outside of boston around game one or two which is why i think he was there and i saw her clip and um I think it's from uh you know this is the song Stand Up. you ever seen the music video for it where he has the big the, the big ass arms?
3: Yes. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah so he was
1: wearing that on stage. I thought it was hilarious that he, he still wears it on stage like <laughs> like 20 years or 15 years after he so made
3: the like a, yeah. a smash hit movie in the cinemas right now and yeah, yeah he's I mean
1: boring. yo that dude's making bank off all those fast money uh fast yo, and, and dude, furious movies. Fast two
3: so. fast and fu- two, fast, too furious is still probably my favorite fast and furious. Yeah,
1: to be honest, man, I've only seen I think Three out of the twelve, or
3: whatever the, whatever the hell it is. Every Fast and Furious movie, at least ten times each. I watch them religiously, same as Mighty Ducks. I keep them on the same platform.
1: Same. We'll have to. We'll have to do a separate podcast where we're we do. I would like to do. This is one of my friends' ideas. Is that we do a full rewatch in one day of every single Fast and the Furious movie. Is I feel that like we possible. Could, well now, now it might not but i think this idea was like was like 3 or 4 movies ago so i think yeah. it might have been possible then <laughs> but um, i don't yeah it's a good question i don't know if there's actually enough time this might have to be a, it might have to be a two-parter so maybe maybe that's some off-season content that that we can get to but but, but it gets to you know the grant williams point i mean grant williams plays almost 30 minutes last night and- As they should He's, that's what i'm saying this and this is what we kept saying when grant was was hitting these dnps is you get to the Philly you get to miami you know bef- before we got to the postseason it was looking a little weird you're gonna get to milwaukee you're gonna you know if somehow they pull off this 3-0 and you get to Denver guess who you need you need grant williams and grant Williams has shown over these last three games even if he makes a decision here or there that you may not agree with The dude gives a shit. The dude gives a shit and he's willing to fight. And that that really, I think, has made a big impact. And then when you add that he knocked down four threes last night. And Joe, going back, this is my point of, listen, it didn't make sense. On this show, we've been vehemently against the benching or the DNPs that Grant Williams has caught. But to Missoula's credit. He has given him more leeway over these last three games. And last night, the role that Grant Williams played was, in my opinion, instrumental. And Joe at least deserves some credit for you know not doubling down and, and, and leaning into the Grant Williams minutes for last night.
3: I think that he deserves the criticism for not giving him playing time to start the series and of throughout course. most of the playing time. But yeah, you deserve credit. You deserve credit for seeing what Grant... Okay, so the first thing is you deserve credit for not overreacting to Grant Williams quote-unquote poking the bear earlier in the series, right? Because, you know, there was a lot of talk there where it was Grant Grant made a mistake in doing what he did with Jimmy. No, he didn't. Grant showed heart and hustle. And I think that Missoula must have recognized that, hey, that's kind of what we're missing right now. You know what I mean? That's kind of... What this team needs at this very moment in time is somebody that's going to come in and bloody their nose if they have to. We're talking about a guy that got curb-stomped less than three weeks ago by Joel Embiid and got up, got back in the game, continued playing. Grant is all about the action right now. He genuinely, and I said this earlier in the pod, he genuinely feels like somebody that's out here to win a championship this season. He doesn't, you don't know, I don't know, he don't know whether he's going to be in this team, Mm -hmm. in this rotation this time next year. Grant's playing like it's his last chance to win a championship. And you can see in the in the way his demeanor is, in the way that he's executing on offense. There's a few times where he drove the ball on closeouts, but didn't try and force the issue to score. Made the right read, made the right play. Maybe he slowed the ball down, went into a post-up, kicked it out. He's playing like a veteran because he's been here before. You know what I mean? And when we do get to, not even if, when we get to cover the NBA Finals between Boston and Denver, when I'm putting it out there, I'm manifesting this shit. You need Batman to defeat the Joker. Yeah. You know, yeah, and that's, you gonna, that's gonna have, gonna
1: be a necessity, right? That's gonna be a necessity, you know, for Grant Williams. And yeah, he certainly got some dollar bills on the line in this postseason. Dollar, um, dollar just to be fair, I, I will say, I was in the camp where I don't think he needed to talk that shit to Jimmy Butler. I just want to be, because to me, I, I, I was all for that shit. See, see, here was my thing with that. And it was funny because after he blocked that shot last night, when Greg and I were doing the, the watch log on Bleach Report, we were like, all right, now just don't start talking shit. Because <laughs> and, 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 here's, and here's my only thing with it is that his play was doing the shit talking. Like the way that he was playing yeah. was doing enough. And, you know, it, it, I certainly, I mean, I said this when, when Greg and I, I think it was just Greg and I that did the the post-game live after, after that was game two, I believe, Um It certainly wasn't the reason the Celtics lost, but we just know that type of stuff fuels Jimmy Butler. Like it does get him going. You know what I mean?
3: And
1: listen, he hits shots that he hit to win that game. He hits that anyways, even if you don't shit talk him. So just giving him that extra motivation when your play was already doing what it needed to, in my opinion, was, was unnecessary. He just didn't need to do it because he was already making those statements. But to your point, what I, what part of me also wished had happened is that he showed the fight, and then his teammates backed him up, which didn't. Well, happen. that was that was what was meant to happen, right? Like, right. That was the and entire- so that's the part, the part, of it where it's, where I, I understand that you know what once Grant does that, then it's the other te- the rest of the team needs to step up. That didn't happen, but, you know, for this game, Grant Grant was great. Grant was instrumental. Um, I think Adam, let's let's take a quick break here, and then let's start talking about what needs to happen for this for for game five to get a dub and then come back and have a game 6 in Miami. All right, Adam. So the odds the uh, let's just, let's keep it a buck. Odds are very stacked against the Celtics for coming all the way back. So the vibes are good right now. It feels good to get that one. There's no there's no sweep here at at worst, we've at least matched uh what Milwaukee, what happened in Milwaukee in round 1, right? That was that was going to be pretty atrocious if we couldn't even at least match the disaster that we thought was Milwaukee ended up in their coach being fired weeks ago. You know, <laughs> like this was weeks ago at this point that that happens. The Celtics at least avoid the sweep. Gentlemen sweep still on the table. A lot of work to be done in game five, Adam to you. What's going to be the most important factor in game five for you for the Celtics to, to keep the season alive?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's just playing towards the energy of the crowd, right? I think that it's very cliche. It's very like, oh, the crowd of the six-man. Yeah, it's very, very cliche. It feels like I'm back in the 80s writing about sports in a newspaper. But at the same time, it's true. There was a reason Jalen Brown called on the Celtics fans to bring energy in Game 7 against Philly. Because it makes that pressure cooker even hotter, right? We have spoke about, where you've mentioned how if Boston forced the game back into Miami, now does pressure around Miami because, hey, one more loss and it evens the series. Does pressure on Miami here too because if they lose this game, then they end up under that pressure anyway. And now they're coming in, having done all of the hard work. The Celtics are one game away from elimination from now until if there's a game seven, whatever it may be. One loss, they're cooked. Every game they play, they're playing like their life depends on it. So replicate what you did in game four, play with the same sense of urgency, the same commitment, and the same sense of kind of basketball IQ, make the right reads, make the right plays, lean into everyone, trust everybody around you the way Jimmy trusts gave Vincent, for God's sake. You. Yeah. you know what I mean? And and lean into the energy from the crowd, because they're going to bring it. The, the, the Boston crowd are going to be loud. The Garden's going to be rocking. You were there for game seven. You can attest to that far more than what I ever could lean into that and give them a reason to stay loud and for me if you can do that and you can feed off that energy and you can have a grant williams talking and and getting backed up by his teammates getting backed up by the crowd and you're going to get that additional energy boost the last thing you want to do is have your season end in the garden to a rain of booze
1: yeah that's Uh, the ultimate worst case scenario and this is where going into last night I was almost pleading. Either put me out of my misery or make it. history. Uh, I mean, I think Greg said it. I might have stole it from him in the Celtics One of you two said it. Yeah, it wasn't me. Yeah, I them. mean, but that's that's the thing, right? That was the reality of, hey, congrats. We didn't get swept. Well, you know what? Now what looms is if we do get eliminated in Game 5, that's going to be in front of our home crowd. That's going to be, you know, all of these storylines that feel like we've put on pause for 48 hours while we, we dream so, of... While we dream of this impossible dream, this O in 150, to be that one, just need one. I feel like Doctor Strange right now. There's one scenario in which we come out victorious here as the Avengers. You know, like, while we dream on that, we're putting on pause a lot of scary long-term conversations that were bubbling to the forefront after Game 3. So the last 48 hours prior to Game 4 was all about, all right, do we have to talk about What's next for Jalen Brown? What happens to Joe Missoula? Where does this core go? Basically, everything was on the table minus Jason Tatum leaving Boston. That that was kind of where it's at. And, you know, here's the reality. The Celtics come out and throw up a stinker in Game 5, and they get booed and they get blown out or they, you know, fall into their bad habits and and lose a a big lead down the stretch. You know what, Adam? Unfortunately, we're probably going to be back here Friday morning, Saturday afternoon, whatever it is, whenever we record, you know, after game five, and we're having those conversations again, and it's going to be ugly. It's going to be ugly the because it's on is- your home court instead of away.
3: Yeah, that discussion is going to be 10 times louder. The criticism yeah. is going to be 10 times louder because the, the light shine brightly when you're playing at home. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter what team you are. There's a lot more expectations on your shoulders than anybody else, regardless of if it's a win or go home. In fact, no, even more so if it's a win or go home game. After game three, the Celtics spoke of needing to play with pride. Jalen Brown, we need to show some pride in the team, in ourselves, in the fan base. Um, I think Missoula said it. I think Tatum said it. They came out in game four. They showed some pride. They played like a team that deserves to be in an NBA finals. Yeah, But you right. can't just do that for one game. Miami right. done that three straight times. You know what I mean? Now, they now do you got to do it three
1: straight times. And then at game seven, minimum. anything can happen. Anything yep. can happen. You won game seven in Miami last year. They can absolutely do the same. You're four and five at home this year. Another team and can certainly win in part, the garden. I'd, I'd much rather
3: them be going playing another game in Miami right now yeah. than be heading back to the TD Garden. Because to me, it feels like some players have got the yips there at the moment. And I just don't know how they get through that. Do you not know a I man?
1: yeah, it's it, I mean, like I said, this is one of the hardest things to figure out how a two seed gets to the middle of the conference finals with a losing record at home like that's that's really hard to figure out and they're I think one game under five hundred over the last two postseasons. so this is this is the eastern the reigning Eastern Conference champion is back in the Eastern Conference Finals. They were a two seed each of the last two seasons and they have a losing record at home in the playoffs and they're one of the better home teams in each of the last it's, two regular seasons. so bizarre it it's really hard to to figure out and so i think to your point of of feeding off the crowd to me what that means and this and this is from a little bit of my you know anecdotal experience being there uh for game seven just a about a little over a week ago so let's kind of get off to a good start right because they they were in danger of losing the crowd for a portion of that early in that game seven the crowd was ready the crowd was there the crowd responded to to jb's request and they were into it and the Celtics started off a little shaky. There was a big Jason Tatum dunk early in that game that kind of kept the kept the energy up for a bit, but it got to a point up until the uh, hard and flagrant foul on, on Jalen Brown, where the crowd was starting to waver a little bit. I think the score was something around 33, 26 early second quarter. And it was like, man, like they asked us to bring it for they bringing it. And ultimately they came back. Jason Tatum went God mode. All was well in the world but i you know but but i do think that that you know it's really important for if the celtics are going to you know call on their fans to show up they have to show up from the beginning they need to be you know they they need to come out with that focus that they continue to lose at times when it doesn't make sense they've said it so i i said this you know last night on our stream i'm gonna lose my mind if they lose this game and they come out and say yeah, we just didn't have the focus tonight. You didn't have the focus. It's the goddamn Eastern Conference Finals, Game 4, and you're about to go home. What what other focuses are there supposed to be? Like, I don't understand this, you know? Yeah. So, I, I mean, I think that's going to be really important. And, of course, we know the three-point line is going to play a massive role in whatever happens in Game 5. The other part, I think, from, from Game 4 that we didn't talk about as much but is a vital part, they're plus 5 in the turnover battle. Miami has 15 turnovers. The Celtics have 10. We it's, it's a very simple statistic to to kind of look to, but you know going into last night, I was telling Greg I haven't checked the updated stats right now. You know if you just look at the stars, just so Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown versus Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler, it was basically about an eight to five differential of eight turnovers per game coming from the Jays to only five coming from. From Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, that's a big difference. That's yeah. a really big difference each game to be three turnovers in the hole of the two guys that are going to hold. They're going to touch the ball the most on your team against the other guys. Two, you know, two best players that are going to have the highest usage rates. Like that's a, that's a big hole to put yourself in. So holding on to that ball, you know, Greg talked about in that second half. Tatum only had one turnover. Four turnovers very early in the game when it didn't look as pretty. and only had one turnover late. Jalen Brown only one turnover. Uh, throughout the game last night, as he took on that facilitator mindset, that has to be imperative for them to to control the the turnover battle when it gets to game five.
3: Yeah, for sure. And you need to add in Marcus Smart there as well, yeah. because he can be prone, and Malcolm Brogdon actually, because Brogdon's had some
1: breathtakingly bad turnovers throughout the playoffs. Brogdon's had a it, it's I think Brogdon's had a fascinating playoffs because I think at times, and listen, and you and I have talked about this a lot. Brogdon's game has morphed into what he was asked to be this year, which was a score. And when we watched him in the preseason, and Greg and I said this, like, you know, the preseason, Malcolm Brogdon was playing like a point guard the Celtics hadn't had in a long time. He was making certain passes that the Celtics hadn't seen. And, you know, at one point, Greg and I were like, man, I haven't seen passes like this since Rayshon Rondo. And we haven't seen that at all in the regular season because he's been asked to be a scorer, and that's ultimately how he won the sixth man of the year. And he's played that way, so I can't fault him you know, entirely for that. But it has been his decision-making has been very erratic in the postseason. The shot wasn't there last night, um, but he's had moments with his shot that still has made him a very important component of this team. And he's done a solid job on Jimmy Butler when he's been asked to guard Jimmy. So I think that's been important for, for Brogdon, but definitely an, an interesting postseason for him. But he's going to be one of those guys that, at home, He's going to have to make some shots and play better than he did in in Game 4 for the Celtics to to stay alive in Game 5.
3: Yeah, I mean, as you say, he has morphed into this, like, scorer. He's he's definitely a score-first guard at this point. But one of my biggest criticisms of him is you've been a lead guard on a team. So your playmaking ability, your on-ball creation is there. It does exist so that kind of frustrates me a little bit when he makes these bad decisions but i think
1: that's a little bit how you know we've said before we'd like to see sometimes a little bit more tatum in the in the post or the mid post right that's not the offense that we've been running i mean that's bad. you know it's something that that he can do it's something that we'd like to see more but but the offense hasn't been predicated that way and so i think it's a little bit similar for 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 Brogdon, but it does get scary at times when it's him and Jalen with, you know, three more defensive-minded players. And it's like, ah, man, I don't know, other than just Brogdon and JV going one-on-one, I don't know where this offense is coming from.
3: It's coming from, yeah. It's going to be step back, freeze, and drive in the lane. So I think that, but your point on turnovers really stands up. The other point I want to make is, before the Celtics started, well, they shot a free in the first possession of the game. So let me just kind of premise this properly. They might have shot a free early in the game, but it came off of penetration. And a lot of what the Celtics did good in that first quarter, that first one and a half quarters of the game, was they penetrated before setting up threes. They pressured the rim. They got back to a team that was very much perimeter-based, but relied on rim pressure to generate their offense. And that's something that we hadn't really seen in games one, two, and three. We saw them attempt to pressure the rim, but as soon as that first drive was taken away, They just kicked it out for whatever shot was available. Whereas this time around, there was secondary drives, tertiary drives until they created enough room to actually get a good value shot. So if they stick to that as well, I think that Miami's defense is really good at the point of attack. They're really good at containing that first attack. What we saw in game four was when you start throwing in that second attack, that third attack... The defense doesn't stay as rigid. It starts to crumble a little bit because out because at the end of the day, no disrespect to Miami's rotation. They're not built on multiple solid defensive players. Once you take once you make them kind of break structure, it's very like easy to find open scoring opportunities. It's just being judicial enough, probably not the right word, disciplined enough, disciplined Mm -hmm. and judicial enough to throw multiple looks at them per possession, not per quarter, not per minute, per possession. If the first drive gets shut down, find the next one and the next one until you actually break them down because once you get someone in a one-on-one position or you crack open one of those seams, the shot's going to be there for you. And we saw that from Jason Tatum did that to to them repeatedly in the second half.
1: Yeah, and I, mean, I think that's how, like, in the first half, you know, even when that, you know, the, the second half was certainly better for the Celtics in the first half, but I think some of the the principles were laid down in that first half, like yeah. you're saying, and we ended up with a lot of those Derek White corner shots that we saw so often in the regular season, a lot of those were based, were, were from what you just described, right, the, the different paint touches, the different looks, yeah. and, you know, being disciplined and, and making sure that we make that extra pass, so a lot of those then carried over, Tatum put on the cape, ended up being a wrap, and for at least another couple of hours, Adam, we get to put on pause all of that off-season content that is just sitting there looking us in the face. And we're hoping that we can leave that in the closet. We can leave it buried away. We live to fight another day. So as we look ahead to Game 5 here, let's, uh, let's give a little bit of a prediction here. W- what do you think happens in Game 5 on Thursday night?
3: Every time this series, every, every time this postseason that I've predicted a win, they've lost so just to appease the basketball gods, miami wins and i'm hoping that that appeases the gods not to punish me for continually picking the celtics so then by default celtics
1: win. <laughs> i don't know if it necessarily works when you have the clear intentions of trying <laughs> of trying to reverse jinx your own statement but I, I i i do mess with that sentiment last night when we were on the stream uh, we kind of went back to the, and, and we've had a moment, like the thing you joined us on playback last year where we collectively had a bunch of the, no, no, yes, Marcus Smart threes. Yeah. Several of those last night where at one point it was very clear, Marcus was about to take a shot. Greg, Greg both of us didn't hear each other we we're talking at the same time, where Greg just goes, no. And I just go, <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> at, the, at the same time, he made the three to his credit. So we kind of did what you did where I started just anytime Marcus had the ball and was about to shoot. And I think it worked three out of five times where I was, I was, I yelled, no, and then he made the shot. So, I, so hopefully, my point being your, you know, intentional reverse jinx, maybe it can work. I feel like it worked for me last night with Marcus Smart shot. For me, looking at game five, God damn it, this team sucks me back in every time. I can't quit this team, man. This team, this team at its peak, like we have said several times throughout the year and throughout the playoffs, when they play their best basketball, I really think they can be the best team. Now, now that says a lot because I think Denver's playing phenomenal basketball right now. So I may stand corrected on that because Denver is a team that ha- right now looks like they have, they just know who they are. They yeah. know who they are and they know how they can play in a few different ways. And th- th- that might be a different beast. So let me put that to the side. But I think the Celtics, when they play like how they did specifically in the second half last night, that's the team that I couldn't imagine ever being in this position that they're in now. But they put themselves there. And the only way to get out of it is quarter by quarter, game by game, one play at a time, getting back all the cliche tropes that you need. Hit singles, baby. Hit, single. hit singles. Hit singles. But it really is their only chance. It's their only option that they have right now. And, you know, I'm – I'm tentatively back to believing in the Celtics, but it feels ridiculous. So, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm going to try and end this this podcast on a positive note. Celtics get Celtics win, in, Celtics win game 5. They bring it back to game 6 in Miami. I think that's probably where the, the eventual luck runs out. You know, I said this to, to Greg the other day. Adam, you know, even if the Celtics get to to game 6 or somehow get to game 7, this feels a little bit like when you're you're making a 30-point comeback within a single game yeah. and you get either within a, within a one score game or maybe even take the lead briefly but then ultimately you just run out of steam. I think that feels like the ultimate fate of this series. Is that the Celtics are going to get back in it? We're going to have hope. We're going to be talking about the greatest comeback there ever was. Boom. And then they might run a little bit out of steam. But so I think maybe not game 5. I think game 6 we might see that more. So I think I think there's going to be some more content for us about this season. Before, can we, I, before the
3: we go, can I just yeah. ask you? Can I can I just add some vulgarity to the show? Yeah, please do. If the Celtics win this series, yeah, can we all can we dub it the condom series? Explain so we, more on this. We came into it excited. It got sloppy, and then we found a way to wrap it up right at the end. <laughs> <laughs> did you just think of that on the spot, or you've been you've been brewing no, that. that? Came to me as you were talking about the thirty point thing. I was like. Do you know what? Yeah, it was. We was excited. Then we was slapping. Then we could wrap it up. I was like, I need to get this out before it goes away
1: and I lose it forever. Uh, this makes me think. of you ever? Do you ever watch the show Parks and Rec? I've seen some. I've so seen there's some. This, there's this great uh, outtake that they have from like their blooper reels. Kardashian one. Yeah, it's exactly what I'm thinking <laughs> about. Everybody loves a good comeback story. The <laughs> Mighty Ducks, Biscuit, Kim Kardashian. What? Yeah, I'm pretty sure she got some cover back of that video. <laughs> <laughs> And they all just lose it. It's, it's, it's one of those clips that whenever it comes up on Twitter or Instagram, you have whatever, I, I have to watch. I have to watch. It's so,
3: look, fun. 10 years' time, 2033, the Green with Envy guys will still be doing their thing. And we'll be like, so the come dumb series of 2023. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's what it will be forever known as. It's if the Celtics excited. can pull the t shirts, print the t shirts. We'll, we'll, we'll make some t shirts if that's the case. If the Celtics pull off the 3-0 comeback, the first ever in NBA history. Adam, as always, man, been a pleasure here, and uh, hopefully we're, we're checking back in either Thursday night, Friday morning with some more good news to talk about. Uh, appreciate you, my guy, and on the way out here of this episode of Green With Envy, as always, you're going to hear some music from our guy, Greg Menegas, and his band down here in Austin, Texas. They are Black Sheep Optimist, new jam dropping June 9th. Make sure you guys check that out, and appreciate y'all for following along here with the Green With Envy crew. We'll be back. Game five, Boston Celtics, Thursday night. Let's go C's. Peace. Deuces. I wish
3: that i never seen the stars in your eyes A glimpse of what I'm missing thinking it's a mirage Ooh, you got me tripping and it's hard to describe But I stick for a minute cause I'm digging the vibe I like the way you're
2: looking at the look in my eyes Don't be catching feelings when it's only a vibe Don't know what the deal is,
0: I'm a typical guy You know the one thing different is the state of your mind I'm like, oh my my, someone throw me you rope. I'm getting too damn high, didn't know I could float You could call it a vibe, it's probably
3: all that you wrote But I'd be doing it shit finally if I didn't have hope Cause you know that that embodied That's what go with the flow I can sing a different song if I cannot hit the notes You had me taking off when you took off your
1: clothes It should be coming down by now But I won't